0: As we open the Word of God today, our chosen text is from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 6, verses 12 to 18. 12 to 16, I apologize. The evangelist writes, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles, Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon called Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which was also the traitor. As we Encounter this text. We see that our Lord Jesus began his ministry as he chose his team of disciples with prayer. Jesus called his disciples and chose his apostles after spending the entire night in solitary prayer to the Father. Everything our Lord did was for the Father's glory, according to the Father's will relying upon the Spirit's guidance and strength. We see throughout the Scriptures from the very beginning of Genesis that our Lord values people above all other things, for He created humanity alone in His image. Mankind, of all creation, bears the image of God universally and uniquely. And among His image bearers, our Lord desires and prioritizes relationship, and unity. He created all of mankind for intimate and harmonious relationship with himself and with one another as a reflection of his own loving character. It is only the presence of sin which divides us from God and from one another. In the book of Genesis, that great book of beginnings, in the very first chapter, we are told in verse 27, That God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And as God created humanity, he created them for relationship, not only with himself, but with one another. And in this, for a purposeful act of labor to be keepers of the garden, but not only the garden of Eden, but the garden of earth. God made man responsible for the work that would be done. We see in the second chapter of Genesis, his emphasis on relationships. In verse 18, the Lord God said, "...it is not good for the man to be alone." I will make a helper suitable for him. Because it was not good for the man to be alone, the Father created from the man a woman, a woman like and yet unlike him, to be able to serve together in doing the work that God had for them. Yes, our Lord values people above all other things. Again, it is only the presence of sin which divides us from God and us from one another. As we see the great divide in our nation, this great divide does not come because the Lord is pleased, but because we have sinned against Him. Because we have chosen our way over His way. And had we chosen His way, we would find ourselves united in Christ. Today, as we Examine this text, and as we see what God has in mind for us, may we remember this one thing. The Lord intends His people to reflect His love through relationships. Let's say that together. The Lord intends His people to reflect His love through relationships. One more time that we remember it. The Lord intends His people to reflect His love through relationships. Notice in Luke chapter 6, that Jesus Christ, as he chooses his 12 apostles from among the disciples, he chooses apostles from among the disciples. Disciples are learners. Disciples are apprentices, those who are seeking to study and become like the master, that they may stand on their own two feet to do the master's work. Apostles, on the other hand, are special messengers, Envoys, ambassadors, even soldiers, if you will. Those who have been sent by the Master to carry a special message, to carry out his will. And the Lord chose these 12 out of sovereignty, not out of necessity. The Lord chose them out of sovereignty, not necessity. The Lord said to Moses in Exodus 3.14, as he revealed to Moses his personal name, the father described himself as, I am that I am. I am that I am. I am not accountable to anyone else. There is no higher authority than God, the eternal, the almighty. Jesus clearly from all that Luke says in his first five chapters of his gospel, is fully God and fully man. Jesus Christ did not need those 12 apostles to carry out his work. God created the universe in six days. And in those six days, he did not ask anyone for help, nor did he ask anyone's approval. As he chose them, He chose them out of His sovereignty, not out of necessity. In the Gospel, according to John chapter 15, He says, You did not choose Me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in My name, He will give you. And this is My command to you, love one another. He did not choose them because He needed them. He chose them He chose them because He can. Even as He chooses each one of us, we come to Him because He draws us. And He chooses us not because of goodness in us, not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to His mercy He saves us. We see also that the Lord chooses them for His glory, not for their worthiness. As he chooses these, these 12, it is illogical for us to think that these were the 12 most pious and worthy individuals out of the several, perhaps hundred, tens, tens, perhaps hundred, hundreds of people who were following him. Peter was a rough fisherman, as were his comrades. Blue-collar workers. Many of them uneducated, illiterate. Levi, Matthew, was a tax collector, known to be a corrupt political hack as he was out there making his living off of his fellow Israelites, a carpetbagger perhaps. As Jesus called them, he didn't call them based on their worthiness. Simon called Zelotes, Simon the zealot, was a political dissident. He stirred up trouble and looked for an opportunity to overthrow the government. These are not people who were chosen for their worthiness. They were chosen that God might be glorified in them. Notice what the Lord says in the book of Deuteronomy to his people Israel. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, this is recorded for us. The Lord did not set his affection on you, speaking to Israel, and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples. For you were the fewest of all peoples, but it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. Further, Paul writes to the Roman church in chapter 9 of his letter, that the Lord says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. No, indeed, the Lord chose them for His glory, not for their worthiness. Notice also, the Lord chose them for unity, not for uniformity. The Lord chose them for unity, not uniformity. These 12 were not all of one mind when they were chosen. They were not the same. They did not look the same. They came from different backgrounds. They had different outlooks, different expectations of Messiah. And yet, when the Lord called them, He called them from this diversity to become a team, a people, a collaborative work of unity. Not ever to be exactly alike, but individuals brought together for one purpose. In 1 Corinthians ten seventeen, we are told that because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. Our unity is in Christ. Our unity is in the body of which we partake not because we look alike, not because we have the same backgrounds. We may come from different states. We may wear different uniforms. We may have different colors of skin. But in Christ we are one. Romans twelve five says, So in Christ we who are many are one body, and each member belongs to one another. Again, Paul says to the Ephesian church in chapter 4 of his letter to them, Today we are faced with a great conflict and our nation is divided over many things. At the heart of this is the definition of people and we are divided over the place not only of the government in states' rights but of the nature and sanctity of life. We are divided over the color of our skin as much as we are over the color of our uniforms. Understand that the Bible knows nothing of this. God's Word speaks of one race, the human race. And while those in the nations around Israel have a variety of backgrounds, it is not their ethnicity, it is not their It is not their nationality, it is not race that keeps them from God. It is only their sin. God makes His word and His light available through Israel, yet they come not to Him, but seek their own way. Even as He called these twelve apostles out from among the diversity of His disciples, And even as He called His disciples from among all the peoples of the area and even the world, the Lord calls us also to be one in Christ. Notice also that our Lord chose them for a work. The Lord chose them to be servants, not to be served. It is the great malady of the church today and perhaps in all ages that we seek too often comfort and not often enough to comfort others. We seek to protect that which we are used to. We seek to protect our way of life rather than to perform the will of God. In this great nation, we are many and yet out of the many We are one. This is not a a specifically American principle. This is a biblical principle. And we have been called to serve one another. No society can sustain itself when the people seek only to consume and not to produce. This is true in our time as it is in any other. And as the Lord called these 12 apostles apart, He didn't set them apart to be privileged. He didn't set them apart so that they could sit on on golden cushions and, and be comforted in their way of life. But he sent them out as sheep among wolves, as lambs to the slaughter, to do his work. Today, we are called to the same thing. He chose them to be servants, not to be served. Paul tells the people of Corinth in 2 Corinthians 5:20, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And he goes on in verse 21 to talk about how this reconciliation takes place. It is not by conformity to a pattern God has not called us strictly to temperance, yes, to this, but not strictly to this. He has not called us strictly to morality, yes, to be moral people, but that is not the end. He has called us to righteousness in Christ, and we are told that God made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus said in Matthew 20, verse 28, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many, those who would follow Christ must follow in His steps. He came to serve, we must also serve. He chose His apostles to be servants, not to be served. And even as those who would follow Him today We lay our burden at the cross and we take up His yoke. We plow the fields that God may reap a harvest. We do this in His name and by the power of His Spirit. Make no mistake, the great and terrible war between the states serves as a powerful equalizer. We may wear blue coats or gray coats. We may have dark skin or light skin. You may may be from Michigan or Kentucky. And yet, bullets are no respecter of persons. We all bleed red. This great war has leveled young men and innocent civilians. And our metal has been tested and will continue to be tested. This war is not about politics, it is about the character and soul of a nation. You and I are in a battle every day. In times of war and in times of peace, there is a spiritual battle, not for the soul of a nation but for the souls of individuals, for the soul of the church, that God may call His elect unto Himself. All of us are on level footing before a holy God, all unworthy, all offered grace in Christ. For as Paul writes, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And as he further tells us, it is by grace that you are saved, through faith, And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, that no man may boast. We must come to God empty-handed. Grace has been offered us in Christ just as we are. And we must come to Him in this state, in the midst of our sin and our darkness, in our poverty and wretchedness, having nothing to offer, needing all from His hand and we must surrender ourselves to His grace. As those who have been saved by grace, we must then strive together to serve one another, bringing the gospel to all without respect for a person's background, without respect for their uniform or their skin color, or whether we agree with them We've been called to make disciples of all nations. Let it begin today. Let it begin with me and with you. As we close this message out, allow me to read for you from Isaiah chapter 58, verses 6 and 7. As we strive to be ambassadors for Christ, our Lord says this, As we hear this charge from the Lord, may we fall on our faces to receive his mercy and may we rise to do his bidding. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, in the name of your Son, by the prompting of your Spirit, we come to you just as we are. Nothing in our hands do we bring to you, Lord, only to your cross do we cling. Father, today, may the souls of those who hear Your Word be stirred, be moved first to repentance and then to servanthood and love. Teach us to love our fellow man even as Christ has loved us. That we might show mercy to the undeserving as we, the undeserving, have received mercy. Father, take us from our lost state And give us life in your Son. Father, take us from our wandering state. We are so prone to wander. And guide us. Teach us your way. These things we pray in the precious name of your Son, Jesus, who shed his blood for us. Amen.